Good morning. Rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Let's crank it up. Yeah, it's time to rock and roll. Tuesday, it's the last show before I take a quick little vacation to California. Yes. Don't be too disappointed. It'll be nice. We both get to take a few days off. You know, sometimes a little space is good. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I will be back next Tuesday. Yes, I'm very excited. We're going to have a great show today with, of course, lots of great guests. Some regulars, you know, the familiar faces and friends that you're used to with some new friends and faces today. Joining us at 7.30 a.m. Central Time, Vinny Club of Missouri. Yes. You want to get in the club, you got to get with Vinny. He's going to be joining us this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Vinny Club's going to be joining us today to talk about the Supreme Court yesterday ruling that they do have the right to step in and stop Texas from protecting their borders from the immigrant crisis that's there's, that they're suffering through. We're going to talk to Vinny Club about that. It'll be a great show today. At 8 a.m. Central today, we're going to speak to you know who it is. Yes, Camelia Peterson. We are of no relation. We're going to talk to Camelia Peterson today about the story that I dropped in the rundown and I've already forgotten, but thank God I have her here with me. And oh, they're doing woke remakes of The Wizard of Oz and It's a Wonderful Life. Good God. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that with Camelia. I'm sure she probably has a thing or two to say about the New Hampshire primary that's coming up Trump versus Haley. <laughs> Wait, where's the evil laugh, buddy? <laughs> it's going to be a romp. At least that's what Politico was reporting here. Monday polling update. Trump poised for New Hampshire romp. Yes, it's going to be a rush. That's right. The president's lead is increasing in two new polls out this morning. You know why? Because Austin's been telling you for months that as soon as Ron DeSantis drops out, that his supporters are going to go to Trump. I know that there's a lot of people who are perpetually online. I'm seeing this morning that a bunch of butthurt DeSantis supporters are all like, they can't unify with the people with the say the mean things and they do the mean things and things like that and it's just like you know good god you know uh, it reminds me so much of like why i really appreciate that i get to spend time even though i live in the capital of missouri and it's political most of the people that are kind of like you know in my community are just normies and, and uh, my dad is a perfect example of a really good just normie conservatives because you know Ron DeSantis dropped out. That was who he was supporting. He's out. He's just like, you know what? All right, there you go. We're going to vote for Trump. And it's just, it's no butthurt. He's not whining. He's not crying about it. He's not posting tweets about how this, he disagrees specifically with all this kind of stuff. He's not perpetually online. He's got a life. Can we give it up for the normies in our lives? Not me. (laughs) I'm not normal. But if I was normal, would you even watch the show? God, that would be boring. We watch the show because I'm a freaking weirdo, right? 8, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Another weirdo on the show. No, actually, she's not weird. She's lovely. She's joining us for our very first time, her first time on the show. Gabriella Clark. She filed the first federal lawsuit against woke, woke indoctrination in education, and she is the creator of the program to stop transitioning in children called Affirming Reality, which should be great to hear. Looking forward to that. Uh, C.W. Hyatt says that the town of Dixville Notch, New Hampshire, just voted in the primary at midnight. Yes, I, I, I remember that they are the very first district there in New Hampshire to vote. 
to 64-year-old tradition in the town, all six votes went to Nikki Haley. What? Oh, my God. She's going to win, guys. She's going to win. Look out for Nikki Haley. She's got Judge Judy on her side. God, did you guys see Judge Judy is out there and she's endorsing Nikki Haley? Oh, no. Oh, no. Look out. She's got Judge Judy. They're going to get us. Oh, no. C.W. Hyatt, but by the way, good morning, Mr. Hyatt says, or Mrs. Hyatt, I have no idea what gender you are. Some of the comments alluded to the town shifting with the winds. They don't appear to have any moral compass. I went to Dixville Notch in 2008 to knock doors for Congressman Ron Paul's presidential campaign. Yes, thank me. Thank me very much. Thank me. Thank me for my service. And I remember, yeah, it was a really, really weird place. It does kind of lean left of center up there. So... The funniest story that came out of the 2008 Ron Paul for President campaign was that me and my buddies, we traveled from New York City, where I was living at the time, to New Hampshire, and we're staying at this hotel, and it had a hot tub and a pool, and my buddy Evan and I are walking by the pool, we see our buddy Luke, and he's got headphones in, and he's listening to some music, right? We got had a long day of not door knocking for Ron Paul, and Luke is listening on his headphones and his iPod, back when an iPod was an iPod, a big chunky thing. And he's listening to, I don't know, some some music, right? But Evan, for some reason, thought that he knew what song he was listening to. And I don't know why we thought this was the funniest in the world, but we just thought he, he's, Evan said that he was listening to Rhinestone Cowboy. So for the rest of the night, we just pictured ourselves with Luke just because he was like, like singing along the music, laying in the hot tub. I was watching the sun go down, watching the church on the sun. I don't know the words. Like a rhinestone cowboy. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. Rest in peace, Luke. You were a good man. We've got a lot of great topics, of course, and guests, and of course, the best clips that you can get on the Wake Up America show, which is why you click like and subscribe already, didn't you? Kind of nasty out there this morning, but it wasn't as bad as it was yesterday. In St. Louis, a video clip went viral of a, from with, and I got two different camera angles on this one, of a fire truck that skidded out. Now watch how close it gets to smashing into these houses. If you if you didn't see this viral video online, it's great. If you're listening to the audio version later, it's a close call by a fire truck almost smashing into houses. It skids out. Check this out. Oh, dang, dude. Look. It comes in and then boom, right just just moseys up. We'll we'll do it one more time from this angle. Watch this. Look out. This was me yesterday trying to get to work it did hit that car it looks like this morning was actually not quite as bad now here's the second angle second pov on this one don't you just love that there's so many cameras everywhere that like we can see these kinds of things from a couple of different angles no you don't love that okay <laughs> sorry the language oh you couldn't step out there and get the rest of it look at that ladies why do you have to scream why is it so Every time something happens, it's a scream. Somebody farts, scream. Somebody's flip-flop breaks, scream at the top of your lungs, right? Everything is screaming. Lady, there's something, is there something that you're conditioned into when you're children that like anything happens at all, literally, and you must scream at the top of your lungs? Please, stop screaming. Scream when, when like major bad things happen. Okay, maybe this might elicit a scream, but like, What's going to happen, right? The fire truck's not going to hurt you, okay? You're safe and sound in your house until it breaks into your house and destroys everything. 
All right. Well, CNN spoke the truth for once. I couldn't believe that they allowed this on the air yesterday. Take a listen to this. That really explained what we just heard. How so? So there's, there's, I think, two things that are really important to remember. Number one, most people feel worse off today than they did when when Joe Biden took office. And most, most people feel worse off today than they did when Joe Biden took office. Sorry, it's a little quiet. That's not my fault. And that's on both sides of the aisle. And so that's number one that he has going for him. That this both sides of the aisle. More than 60%, some polls have over 70% of voters are looking for a fighter, saying that the system seems like it's unfairly working for some, then others, only 4% believe that the political system is working for them. And so they're looking for a fighter. Donald Trump represents to them a fighter. And no one else does. And so on both sides of the aisle, people are looking for a fighter to change the system. People are dissatisfied with the current political context and both sides, left and right, see Donald Trump as a fighter who might be willing to shake up the system. That's significant. So when you see these people who are feeling that things are worse, they feel like the system's not working for them, they're feeling like they're getting left behind, they feel like they're being judged, that top down to Donald Trump is the one for them. And, and it shouldn't be surprising to anyone. The other thing that I think is fascinating is if you look at Biden and Trump voters in 2020, only 79% of voters that voted for Joe Biden in, in 2020 are likely to vote for him again, while 90% of Trump voters are likely to vote for him again. And 5% of Joe Biden voters are more likely to vote for Donald Trump today. So, Wow, 5% of, of Joe Biden voters more likely to vote for Donald Trump today. 90% of people who voted for Donald Trump in the last election will go vote for him in this election. It, there's an enthusiasm gap there for the Democrats. Now, do they have time to make it up? Yes, they do between now and November, but the clock is ticking. Math isn't looking good for Joe Biden right now. And we're, we're not even you know, all the way to a general election right now, but it's really fascinating to the enthusiasm. This, this is, by the way, this is where Nikki Haley's um, uh, comments about chaos trails him and we don't want chaos. If you're that voter who thinks that the system is working against you, that Washington has ignored you and Wall Street has swindled you and Hollywood is laughing at you, you want chaos. You want some. Yeah, chaos. you do. That's that's exactly right. You do. You want chaos. If you couldn't hear that, like Nikki Haley is out there saying chaos follows him. Chaos follows him around. Right. I mean, if you're like there, listen, there are a lot of voters who have ginormous sticks up there. Okay. And they're the people who want to keep things the same, right? They're, these are the people who have already got, you know, their investments have already matured. Their 401ks have hit, you know, their, their maturity. They're comfortable in life. They don't want things to change. They don't want somebody to come in and shake up the political system. They don't want anything to change. They're, they're voting. They're, it's like Judge Judy, right? Why is Judge Judy supporting Nikki Haley? She does. She's she, because she's a stern, stick up your her ass authoritarian. Okay. And you can like Judge Judy all you like for how she talks to people in her courtroom. And I know you like TV woman good, right? But she is not the type of person who wants anything to change. She doesn't want the things to change because the political system has benefited people like Judge Judy, right? Someone who's been a judge, someone who's been in a, a position of authority. This is a person who does not want change. Now, if you're the person in my town, and I've seen a bunch of you too on the live stream talking about how much extra you got in your paychecks from the Donald Trump tax cuts. For those of you who listened to my John Burke interview yesterday, I talked about the same thing, right? Would the economy be better under Donald Trump? And he said expressly, yes, he does believe that it would, right? For people like Judge Judy, they don't want things to change. They want the political system to stay the same. They want the economic system to stay the same because anything that would shake it up such as it is right now puts them in peril.
It puts them in jeopardy, right, in their cushy positions in life. And so what they're nailing down here is the reason that a lot of blue-collar, poor, middle-class people support, support Donald Trump because they need change in this political and economic system. They need somebody to come in and to shake things up. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Don't forget, you can always text the show at 573-319-1586. Again, the text lines are open at 573-319-1586. It's going to be a great show today. We've got Adam, or excuse me, Vinny Club joining us at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. Trump back in fine form again on the insult train in New Hampshire. If we're at 28 or anywhere near it, and it, we're 50% with Hispanic, and the poll shows we're higher. Just cancel the election. Just say Trump wins automatically because that's a whole. Now they're going to say, see, now when I say that, you know, we have fun, we're laughing and kidding. But when I say that, he's a fascist. He announced tonight he wants to cancel the election. It's a joke. They actually had, you know, when I imitate Biden, he can't find his way off a stage. He can't put two cents. It's funny because a lot of people, they really just, they can't get, they can't take a joke, right? And that is the whole, that's the stick up the ass phenomenon. So sorry, the stick up phenomenon that you see that the people, the people who don't understand Donald Trump's humor, he's joking, right? He's kidding there. Oh my God, I can't believe that he would say something like that. I'm not used to a politician who has a personality. I need someone who's like me, a robot who does things in automatically non-player character, NPC, give me the programming, CNN. Sentences together, right? Can't put two sentences together. He's a teleprompter. He doesn't know where the hell the teleprompter's there. Oh, Barney Styles is here. What's up, Barney? I've been looking for you. I sent you an email. I don't know if you got it. But just an FYI, and this is a real quick plug for all of you out there who might be interested in making a little extra scratch. How about that? No, let's not talk about the Joe Biden economy or Bidenomics or the Trump economy or Trumponomics. Let's talk about APonomics. How would you guys like to make a little extra cash and spread the ideas of liberty? Huh? I think you guys like that. Barney, I sent you an email. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you went to your spam folder. But I increased the percentage of your commissions for sales that you make at apforlibertyshop.com. So if you're interested in helping me to spread the ideas of liberty and making some cash, you can sign up at apforlibertyshop.com as an influencer. The link right now is broken, but I'm going to fix it on the commercial break, just an FYI. You can sign up to be an influencer. You'll see the button there. Again, I will fix it during the commercial, but I have increased the amount of payouts for influencers who sign up and you get a, an affiliate code and a URL that you can use. Right now, we're selling a lot of Javier Malay hoodies on the site, and the commissions for those are really high. So I've increased, Barney, your percentage of what you can make at the shop when you make sales. So everybody is going to now start making higher commissions if you're a part of the influencer program, just FYI. When I go to the next commercial break to get Vinny Club, I will fix that link for you so you guys can sign up at apforlibertyshop.com. And Barney, there you go, buddy. We've got you set up with a higher commission so you make more money. And the nice part about me, I only use the teleprompter. The average, I think they say it averages about 9%. Wouldn't it be nice if you had a guy that didn't really need the teleprompter? Isn't that nice? It would be nice, nice, actually, yeah. But, like you know, the, the dangerous thing I have, Al and Steve, is when I joke a little bit. You know, we got to joke. This, the country's in such trouble. If you don't have a sense of humor, we'd never get by. I, co I completely agree. And Camelia, who is like, 
I think her Trump derangement syndrome actually might be increasing a little bit. She was level four. I think she's like reaching stage five Trump derangement syndrome. And you need to go the other way. But even Camellia would agree with that, that we people need to learn how to take a joke. So Trump, Camellia, what do you say, CJ? Are you, you know, are you... Are you smoking the spliff he's passing? But you got to sort of make a little bit of fun. And I I sort of imitate his speaking and I go, bye-bye. <laughs> he has no idea where the hell he is, right? Or I'll, I'll show him where he, he can't find the stairs. Now, we have a stair there. We have a stair there. We have one here. We have one here. They're all over the place. And he can never <laughs> find this. I think Secret Service says, you always have this young, handsome guy run onto the stage, grab his arm and pretend like, it's normal to be doing that, right? But the biggest thing is when I do it, they sometimes put me on and they say Trump couldn't find his way off the stage because they are the most dishonest people on earth other than guys like Adam Schiff and, you know, Shifty Pencil Neck. Pencil Neck! He's a marvel. No, he's a structural marvel. He has a neck and his head is like a watermelon and his neck. And how that neck can hold up that big, oversized, ugly head is hard to believe. No, it's strong. It's strong. Your head. It's like your finger on a basketball. Some of these guys, they spin it. <laughs> Come on. Are we having fun yet? Are you not entertained? Yes. Liberty Shindig over on the chat says, the best part of Trump is his humor. Completely agree. Don't forget, guys, the text line is open anytime, night or day. 573-319-1586. No, no, he's a terrible guy. Think of it. Think of this, Chef. So they make up the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. It's a, you know, and by this time it was found out and blah, blah, blah. Everyone knows it's a hoax, a scam. And, you know, it was originally used as a one-day deal to show that Hillary Clinton lost because of Russia, because they were embarrassed because they weren't supposed to lose, but they lost. And so they made up this time that, that it was Russia. I said, Russia? What the hell did Russia have to do with it? And I meant that. So then it got carried away. It ended up being two and a half years because it got picked up by the fake news. They knew it was a scam. Got picked up by the... But think of it. Adam Schiff made it up, along with Hillary Clinton and some others, DNC, Democrats. And they made up this, this scam. Dangerous scam. Very dangerous. Amazing that, you know, fortunately, I knew Putin very well. And we had a little bit of a, a relationship. But he couldn't believe he said. What the hell is going on with your country? They make up this scam, and then he comes out of a room. So he knows it's made up, and he has a news conference with a lot of press, and I'm watching this, and he goes, Donald Trump Jr. will go to prison because of what he did with Russia. Now, talking about my son is going to go to prison because of something they know is a total hoax. It's not like... They believed it was maybe true. They knew it was because they made it up. It was a scam. It was written. No, think of it. And he's saying, think of it. You have a son. And I called up my son. I said, are you okay? He says, yeah, I don't know anything about Russia. What's going on? He knew nothing about Russia. This guy in the fourth row right here, he knows more about Russia than my son does. <laughs> Well, let's see how, let's check in on Nikki Haley, still running for office in New Hampshire. We are down to the election day is tomorrow. I'm excited because it's go time. You're excited because you won't have to watch any more commercial and you won't have to see the mail and the text messages will stop. But you know what? We've got a lot on the line here. 
Yeah, I hope those text messages do stop because I never signed up for Nikki Haley's text messages and she's texted me so many times. I block every number that she texts me from and then they find another number and they text me from it. And that's illegal because I didn't sign up for their text messages. I run text messages, text message campaigns for AP for Liberty Shop, and I have to go through multiple layers of security in order to ensure that every single phone number that I have in my list has explicitly stated that they allow texting. Whatever her campaign is doing is against the law. We really do. And you look at what's happening in this election. Yes. Are you going to vote for me? Uh, He's going to vote for Trump. <laughs> Will you marry me? So she's like, are you going to vote for me? I'm going to vote for Trump. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, so good. Come on, guys. Where would you be without the Wake Up America show in the morning to make you laugh, make you smile, keep you informed about what's going on in the world? Can I ask you a favor? Click that like button on the channel. Smash that like button. Slice it with the master sword of power. Today is Legend of Zelda themed. Anyway, have you guys been enjoying the video game themes that I've been making for the show? I work so hard. Somebody the other night was like, who makes those? I make those. I make those and I work really hard on them. So reward me. It's not like labor theory of value where something is valuable just because you're hard work. But let's be honest. Those video game intros for the Rumble show are beautiful. You know it. Big, beautiful Rumble intros. Click like and subscribe to the channel if it's your first time here watching the show today. We'd be glad to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time on the Wake Up America Show. The Wake Up America Show. Wake Up America Show. Donald Trump confirming who gave him the idea to ban central bank digital currencies. You know who it be. And this I do for Vivek because he's very big into it. I happen to agree with him. But he said, could you mention this? I will never. He said, I love Vivek. We, I love him, too, now. I didn't love him when he was running, but I like him now. It's amazing the way you can like somebody when you win, right? <laughs> Bro, he is like, he's feeling good right now. But Vivek is great. He's really great. But he wanted this, and I'll give him full credit for it. It's very important, actually. I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. Uh -huh. And this I do for Vivek. And this he does for Vivek. Vivek Ramaswamy showing libertarians how it's done. Oh, gosh. Here it is. It's 7.25 a.m. I've got to run. Oh, darn it. I am excited, though, to talk to a Vinny Club who's going to be joining us here in just a moment. Every five minutes, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm so excited about being a dad. You know, I'm going to be a dad here in like just six months from now. I will be gone. I know you guys are going to be disappointed. I will be out tomorrow through next Monday, and I will be back next Tuesday. Because, you know, when you're going to have a baby, you got to go take your wife to go see the in-laws, you know, before you go to, before like you get into a situation where she can't really get on an airplane anymore. Because we're out of the first trimester, we're in the second trimester, then the third trimester, there's not going to be any plane travel. So we're going to go spend a few days out in California, maybe see the redwood forests if we can. You know, just have a, a little vacation time so that we can uh, be together as a family before, you know, a little baby baby comes. So we're going to go get Vinny Club. But before I do, don't forget that this web, this <clears throat> podcast is brought to you in part by QuickRxStore.com. That's QuickRxStore.com. And they are paying us to keep the lights on over here. So why don't you support the, the sponsors who support the Wake Up America show and the entertainment you love? Get 10% off of your hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and your amoxicillin prescriptions, and many, many more at quickrxstore.com. If you use code SAVE10, 
you'll save 10% and you will let them know that, hey, I bought this from Austin Peterson. So they'll continue to sponsor us so we can continue to keep the lights on over here. We'll be back with Vinny Club to talk about Supreme Court weighing in conservatives siding against Texas on the immigration issue. When we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. You enjoying the content so far? Do me a favor, click that like button. If it's your first time here today, subscribe to the channel. The Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. So make sure that you set a calendar appointment. Join us for two hours of fun and freedom. Two hours of fun and freedom to start your day totally free. I mean, come on. Liking and subscribing, small price to pay. We'd be glad to have you come back here and join us. Don't forget to, you can also text the show. And I'm always checking the text lines. So night or day, even if you're an audio listener and you're listening to us later on Spotify or Apple iTunes or whatever, then just drop us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, text lines are always open at 573-319-1586. Just a quick refresher, I will be out of office starting tomorrow through the 29th, and I will be back on the 30th at the end of January. Don't be too disappointed. You know I got a baby on the way. So we're going to go visit our relatives out in California. Should be a good time. All right. Well, let's get back to the news. Joe Biden's administration clamps down. No, not on immigration. Clamps down on Texas trying to enforce their borders. The Supreme Court weighs in on the issue and says, yeah, the federal government can prevent Texas from policing their own borders. And yeah, some conservative justices played along. Joining us now to discuss for his very first time on the show is Vinny Club. He's a realtor, a rural and ag advocate. He's also a devoted Christian, husband and father. He's running for House of Representatives here in the state of Missouri. He's joining us live now. Good morning, Vinny. How you doing, brother? Good morning, sir. Thank you for having me. And congratulations, obviously. A parenthood is going to be one of the greatest things you experience in life. Thank you, Vinny. Appreciate that. Glad to have you here. So give us the background on this case. A lot of people are upset with some of our conservative Supreme Court justices for this ruling. What's at stake here? So basically, right, the federal government has not secured the border. So we have this mass assault of immigration coming through, illegal immigration at that, um, along with fentanyl and everything else that, you know, it's flooding across the border. So Texas stood up and said, okay, we'll secure our own border. We have to, uh, we have to you know, protect our own citizens. The Biden administration didn't like that. They came from an angle saying that the, the razor wire and everything else hindered the Border Patrol's uh, job duties and their efforts to do what they need to do down there, which, you know, who knows what that is uh, currently. But so there, there's that, you know, I guess if there's ever a case for, you know, states' rights and giving the power back to the states, this is just a prime example. But that's kind of what's going on down there as far as currently. So, so the Supreme Court weighs in on this says that the Biden administration does have the right to prevent Texas from enforcing their own security in their state. And some conservative Supreme Court justices apparently agree. That's right. And also, they didn't publish no opinion on top of that. So what does that say? I mean, we live in a day where conspiracy theories, right, are actually coming to reality. (laughs) But now you're thinking, okay, well, if there's no published opinion, there's no comments, then what is actually going on there? I mean, were they swayed? Is there other stuff going on? 
but just to hinder a state's ability to protect its own citizens is just insanity. So what, what's your take on it, Vinny? I mean, I mean, you must have an opinion on this, uh, the Supreme Court justices and why they did it. Feel free to speculate wildly. Yeah. So, I mean, I have, I have no idea. I mean, ultimately, you know, the further you get more involved in politics, the more you see things. But at the end of the day, the Texas has the right to secure its own border to protect its people. I mean, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things ahead of us is states retaining that right to get back, just not on that, but on education and everything else. But with that being said, why they chose to, I think, as time goes on, things always come out in the light. But there's definitely, I think, things are going on underneath, you know, behind the shadow, so to speak. Were you surprised to see that Amy Cody, Coney Barrett was siding with the liberals on this? Yeah, I mean, Justin Roberts, I mean, Justice Roberts, she can kind of, you know, he's got a history of doing things, but then, you know, she voted in and it was kind of a question mark on, you know, once again, if there was a published opinion, maybe we get inside of her head, maybe, you know, she's weighing out the federal, you know, their responsibilities, you know, and the borders and everything else. But, you know, with no published opinion, it kind of leaves a big question mark there, I think, doesn't it? It certainly does. Now, Vinny, you're running for state office here for a seat in Missouri's House of Representatives, but I imagine like a lot of Republicans, you're paying attention to what's happening on the national scene, and you're probably interested to see the future of the Republican Party. Today, the New Hampshire Republicans will be voting and deciding between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is actually polling quite well in New Hampshire. If you were a resident of New Hampshire today, who would you be voting for and why? Trump, hands down. Haley has no business involved in this race. I mean, all her support's coming from neocons and the liberals and, you know, any normal conservative that you go out here, especially Missouri, my goodness. I mean, Trump, Trump's the decision, Trump's the choice. Overwhelmingly, you know, the first, the first primary caucus there should prove that everybody just needs to step out of the way, let Trump have the nomination and, and let's go on to November and take care of that and win that. Now, you say Nikki Haley's a neocon, but you don't articulate why that's necessarily a bad thing. Talk to me about your philosophy, Vinny. Tell me why it is you would prefer Donald Trump to Nikki Haley in terms of their beliefs and policies. What's the difference between these right. two, and why would you oppose Nikki Haley? Definitely. So, obviously, Nikki Haley's for never-ending wars, right? I mean, whether it's the billions of dollars we've sent to the Ukraine, we have stuff here at home that we need to take care of. But just ongoing, you know, her, her donors and everything seems to be coming from the side of the same business as usual type of folks. Trump, the one thing about Trump, like you, <laughs> you talk about and joke about, as is, so he throws out a mean tweet, but he is a man that loves his country. He takes, you know, he, he, he's not open. Everybody's susceptible. He's not more susceptible because of his, just where he's at in life and as a businessman of not being persuaded by money, greed, I mean, my, He's his own man, and he can go in there, and he's not worried about. He's he doesn't have that temptation, but at the same time, he loves he loves America. I mean, he wants to put America first, and I think we've seen that in his last term, and I think we'll see more of that in the next four years. Any any concern about Trump's impending court cases and a situation where he may be sentenced by a leftist judge or jury to jail? I, I don't think so. I think I mean the people will overwhelmingly. You know, they support him. If anything, that just throws more support behind him. With that being said, you can't take anything off the table, you know, when it comes to the deep state or the industrial complex of any any fashion. But one thing, you know, is that the people of the United States of America, majority, are over and for Donald J. Trump. So I think is is hindering any craziness that might be out there. He, you know, he'll get the nomination. He'll win and he'll be our next president. 
You're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show. Good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. We're glad to have you here. C.W. Hyatt over on the Rumble chat says, preach it, Vinny. Yes, we're speaking to Vinny Club. He's running for the Missouri House of Representatives here, and uh, he's not too far away from Jefferson City. We'll be looking forward to seeing how his campaign goes. In the state of Missouri, this has been a big question that a lot of Republicans have been dealing with, is this question of Missouri is you know, as a Liberty Republican, I'm a big fan of Ayn Rand. And she kind of saw society as divided between the makers and the takers or the producers and the parasites is an unkind way to say it. Missouri, when it comes to federal dollars, is a net taker, right? We're on the take from the federal government. And right now, at the moment, we've got a massive ballooning budget here, a huge budget surplus when it comes to the amount of money that we have that was get a lot of it given to us during the COVID years, which has been socked away. And a lot of politicians here in the state of Missouri are looking for ways to spend that money and get it for their districts. Vinny, what's your take? What's your stance on this whole question of Missouri being a net taker from the federal government, meaning other states are subsidizing our lifestyles here and our government here and this budget surplus that we currently find ourselves in the midst of? What's your take on this issue? The, these two issues? Yeah, all right. So this coming year, I think the budget's at $51.5 billion, billion, and that's not even with a supplemental attached to that. And of course, most of that is coming for federal money. And, I, you know, it's, it's going to be a process, it's going to be a fight, but we have to start finding ways to take ourselves off that addiction of the federal dollar. Uh, that's a long conversation, many players in place for sure. Uh, some, some, probably a lot of people aren't going to like that, but we have to get off that addiction. We need our, our state sovereignty back. And as long as we're addicted to the federal government, we're going to swallow whatever they send to us and make sure we get those funds. For sure. Now, getting ourselves off of the the federal welfare dole to a certain extent is a conversation that's a long conversation, but I mean, you must have at least a few ideas. Right. I mean, you can start just, I mean, look where that, look where that money's going. We're going to have to just dig in. I mean, when you think about Jeff City, everybody, well, you know, you think about Washington, D.C., right? It's the swamp. It's the bureaucracy. Well, you look at the bureaucracy of Jeff City, it's just as bad. The amount of employees, if you can start going down the agencies, you know, whether it's the Department of Education, MoDOT, Conservation, you can go with, you know, everything. There's, there's money that needs to be, you know, taken away from that and just prioritized. I mean, like I said, I don't have, you know, of course I'm not in there yet, so I don't got the numbers in front of me, but you know, the bureaucracy in Jeff city is that, I mean, it, it, it's bloated. And once again, minimal government, we need to, we need to find ways to cut that down. Transparency, where are those dollars going? So the people in Missouri can actually see where that money's being wasted at. And then obviously we can make those changes that are needed. Mm -hmm. So Vinny here in the state of Missouri, we've got a gas tax increase that was passed about a couple of years ago, that and it's kind of a graduated scale. It just gets larger and larger as time goes by. They did say, oh, they passed it with a refund. Uh, would you have voted for that increase of a gas tax here in the state of Missouri? I think it needed to go to the vote of the people and let the people decide. At the end of the day, I mean, we're the ones doing it. I mean, if a refund does not meet the criteria, right? The people needed to vote on it overwhelmingly. I could see, and, the, and to that point, I mean, I can see the, the reason for it, but if we look back now, it's not even being used for that, right? So once again, just another bureaucracy attempt to, to take our tax dollars and do whatever they want to with it. One bill that a lot of my friends here in Missouri, people like Mary Kramer and others, they come to the Capitol for every year and try and pass is the idea of legalizing gold and silver to be able to be paid as debts here in the state of Missouri. So, you know, essentially making it a currency. 
feel about precious metals and and operating those in the marketplace in Missouri? I don't see a problem with it at all. I mean, that that's basically the root of originally, anyways, right? The root of our our currency, and I don't have a problem with it. I'd be for it. Do you have an opinion on central bank digital currencies? Digital currencies, when <laughs> when it's you know when it's taken by the government by any institution, it's a dangerous thing. But when you have stuff like Bitcoin, other cryptocurrency that may not be <clears throat> rooted inside a government agency that can be controlled, I'm definitely for that type of digital currency. But when you have a digital currency by the government, I mean, it opens up doors for them to do whatever they want to with, which they already have too many doors now that they can squeeze in and the Mer- manipulate. Missouri, sure. The Missouri legislature right now is weighing a bill that would have mandates, age verification mandates for adult websites. So if a triple X website that is based in Southern California produces content there, then Missouri is attempting to force them to have an age verification in order for them to operate or stay in business. What's your, what would you, how would you weigh in on a bill like that? Oh man. I, you know, this is going to be easy, Vinny. (laughs) Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. This is exactly what I expected, sir. So I appreciate it. You know, I, when it comes to that, so I'm just thinking of my own family, my own girls, right? Just the ability. I think there needs to be some age verification when it comes to adult material. Mm-hmm. When uh, politicians, a lot of Republican politicians on the national level say things like we should ban TikTok and other social media platforms because of their influence on kid. Are you open to that? Banning is a very dangerous thing. Now, if you're banning because the, you know, the CCP is behind it, right? And, and they're acquiring data which you still have to be careful with because if we start looking at, you know, foreign owned ownership of companies and how far does that go and what do you have to do with that? But banning a a program just, I mean, or an app or a a company just because they have content for our kids or whatever, that's probably pretty dangerous. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking of any club. If you're just tuning into the wake up America show now, and if you're enjoying the content, make sure you click like, and subscribe. Vinny's running for State rep here in the state of Missouri. He is a rural ag advocate, agriculture advocate, and he's joining us live today talking about some of the biggest issues of the day on the national level and the state level. If you've got a question for Vinny, you can send me a text at 573-319-1586. Again, that text line is open at 573-319-1586. What did you think about Missouri legalizing weed, Vinny? Overall, so this is this is my take. I'm not necessarily for the legalization of marijuana, but on the flip side of that, alcohol has done way more damage to families and people than marijuana ever has. You know, people do have the individual right to to do some things that is naturally grown, but at the same side of that, I'm not necessarily for it or advocating for it. Senator Bill Igel of Missouri came on the show a couple weeks ago and says that he wants to ban not only China from being able to own land here in the United States, Governor Parson pushed him away, I think like 10 miles away or some some odd number of miles away from military bases, but Chinese uh, corporations could still purchase land here in Missouri. He didn't want to just ban China from being able to buy land in Missouri. He wants to ban Japan from buying land in Missouri. He wants to ban the UK from being able to, you know, to buy land from Missouri. Bayer, German company, Bayer, we all familiar with. They have a lot of land here in the state of Missouri that they run research farms with and they create a lot of jobs. Hitachi, I'm not sure if you've ever seen them on your way into into Jefferson City. They create a lot of jobs here in Missouri. Do you agree with Senator Bill Eigel? Would you vote to confiscate land from foreign entities that operate here in Missouri? 
I think it, once again, it's one of those things that you can't just do it. It's, it's not black and white, right? There's a lot of gray area in there. Like you said, you have companies here that have been longstanding that provide jobs, especially in our rural communities. But at the same time, you don't want, once again, you know, China or, or Iran or anything else on a large sect of land, especially around our military bases. So there is a sense of balance. And I think that's one thing that we're obviously missing, especially in Missouri legislature, definitely in DC is balance, right? There, there, there needs to be a, just a rationalization to say, hey, it's a good, it's a good campaign vote, but at the same time, okay, let's dig into this and think about what does that mean, you know, especially for our rural communities where you know a lot of times those jobs are provided. But once again, you know, China does not need to own any of our farmland to some degree, or Bill Gates or anybody else that's out there that's buying it up. So, it, well, Bill Gates is an American citizen, so that you know, yeah. it, in some sense, American citizens have rights too, have you know the rights that the Constitution protects. But if the if the Chinese property is 11 miles away from the military base versus 10 miles away. What's the substantive dis- difference? Are, are we thinking that the Chinese spy doesn't have the capability to travel that extra mile there? I mean, what's, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not stupid, Vinny, but I feel like politicians try and treat me like I am. Yeah. I, I don't know what the 10 mile was. I mean, I'm not in the governor's office if there was some legal, you know, parameter there, but at the end of the day, you're, you're right. I mean, what's that extra mile, right? And yeah, I mean, are, are they going to start buying just around that 10 mile perimeter? It, it, that doesn't make no sense to me. But once again, you know, I don't have all the facts, the spy, things, but common sense. Their, their spy powers are limited. Once they get to that 11th mile, <laughs> you know, they can they just lose. Yeah, the frequency, yeah, it only goes out, you know, it goes it, out 10 miles. I guess and and on the Bill Gates thing, I, yeah, I didn't mean anything like he couldn't own ownership land because he's got every right to do that by all means. But I think we just got to be mindful of, of how that's being bought. Certainly. Vinny, is there anything else that you'd like to share or plug with our listeners before we let you go today? Yeah, the social media, you can climb, find me at Club 4, the number 4 Missouri, and most of all the platforms. I mean, I'm just fighting to preserve our rural way of life here in Missouri. You know, there's not only the global nationalist aspect, left, right, you know, far conservative, far liberal, but you also have that urban-rural divide, and we're losing more of our rural voices, population centers grow, rural areas close down. And I'm just there to, to help preserve our rural way of life. You know, I want my two girls to grow up, you know, in a rural Missouri. I don't want them to have to leave Wayne County in order to fulfill the American dream. So I'll be able to Jeff City to drain the bureaucracy, stand up for our First and Second Amendment rights, you know, defending the unborn and go down the, the lottery list. But at the end of the day of that, the thing that drives me most is my faith in Christ. I know a lot of people will add that as a check mark. But once again, this is life, you know, lifestyle matters, you know, is your life portraying what you actually say you believe? But, you know, my, my faith in Christ is basically bleeds out in every aspect, you know, just with my family life involvement in the community. When I go to the grocery store, how I'll, you know, uh, create policy, how I'll help policy, how I'll vote. And I, I'm not going to be perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I know people like yourself will call me out when I need to be called out and I have that discussion. So once yeah, again, yes, I do thank you, though, for, for the opportunity today to be on here for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome, Vinny. We appreciate you. You did a great job answering all our questions. And uh, we've got a great clip now. If you ever have a dalliance with an intern, they'll just they'll clip what you just said there. <laughs> Run into the campaign ads against you. For all of our audio listeners later who won't be able to see the spelling of his last name on the screen, that's Club for Missouri with two Bs, double B, C-L-U-B-B. Thank you, Vinny, very much. We appreciate you. you and uh, we hope you'll make Missouri great again. Have a wonderful day. Bye for it. There you go think of Vinny Club, guys, send us a text. Yes. Good stuff, right? Oh, baby. I'll be watching you like a hawk. I think it is that more and more people poll feel like over time, President Biden is getting less and less mentally sharp. 
Which poll is this? ABC uh, <laughs> has President Biden's rating for health since May down five points and for mental sharpness down four points. You know, I have to say that's a little confusing for me because if you look at what this president has done the last three years, historical pieces of legislation, right? When it comes to bipartisan infrastructure deal, many presidents before, like your favorite president, had said that it would be... Why don't you, why don't we let the American people guess, but had said, well, no, 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 let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. You asked me a question. I'm going to wait. What? What did she just say? Did you guys catch that? So Corinne Jean-Pierre, the white house press secretary is asking a question from Peter Ducey, a legitimate question about the American people feeling like the current president of the United States, Joe Biden is, doesn't have the mental fitness to handle the job. And she says she makes a, a sideways allegation there about his quote unquote favorite president. Well, let's that continue. Was my favorite president. <laughs> why don't you? Why don't we let? Wait a minute. Hold on. She she got herself into trouble there. Let's let's just start this over again. I want to hear this again. Listen closely. Karine, why do you think it is that more and more people poll feel like over time President Biden is getting less and less mentally sharp? Which poll is this? ABC has President Biden's rating for health. Since May, down five points, and for mental sharpness, down four points. You know, I have to say that's a little confusing for me, because if you look at what this president has done the last three years, historical pieces of legislation, right, when it comes to bipartisan infrastructure deal, many presidents before, like your favorite president, had said that... Who's my favorite president? <laughs> she thought she was being cute. Why don't you, why don't we let the American people guess, but had said... Well, let me finish. Let me finish. Right, you inferred it. You inferred it. Now you want to cut him off because you don't want to have to answer the question of what you just inferred Wait, there. You asked me a question. I'm going to. No, 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 no. Let me. Let me finish. Yes, you let do, finish. Peter. Don't let lie. me finish. And you'll you'll guess who I'm talking about. Who used to say Steve Infrastructure I mean, Steve. Week? Infrastructure Week, which was a punchline, became a joke. And now we are seeing infrastructure decade because of this president. There's the Chips and Science Act, right? There is the Infl Inflation Reduction Act. These are legislation that is going to have a difference for generations to come, right? And so this is something that this president has done. That's pretty sharp for this president to have been able to do that. Let's look at the economy. As if there isn't somebody who could easily be behind the scenes pushing that. I mean, think about Obamacare. You all knew Obamacare was written by corporations and then passed over to the congressman who then introduced the bill on the floor like Obama, they basically admitted that obamacare was written by the corporations not by members of our house of representatives the economy now unemployment is under four percent 14 million jobs created the economy is in a better place than when it was when he walked in that's just a fact that's just the data and we're seeing consumer sentiment is going up and we saw consumer just sentiment oh guys the consumer sentiment Everybody knows that Biden's out of his freaking mind, but the consumer sentiment is going up. Here's our illustrious, com illustrious commander in chief. I almost had Owen Schroyer on the show today, but he couldn't be on this morning. Hopefully I'll have him on again real soon. Go ahead, put it on the screen. Biden diddling kids again. What is that? And then the woman. Wait, are you seeing this? Okay. Okay. What's going on here? Poor little baby. Right there. Look, the, the Joe Biden comes in and goes for the nibble here. Here's the president. Going in for a little bite. Goes to bite the baby. Again. What is that? And then the woman. Look at the baby. The baby is like, please don't bite me. No. I know. Please don't bite me. Look at this. Sniff, sniff, says Mighty Megatron. <laughs> 
I just I can't wait until we have a president that doesn't bite the, the campaign babies. Trail. Go ahead. Go ahead. Put it on the screen. Biden diddling kids again. What is that? And then the woman decides to what is it? Is she taking a video for for evidence in a lawsuit? Okay, if you're an if you're an audio audience member today, I mean, we've got you've seen the footage before, Joe Biden grabbing little girls nipples and grabbing little babies mm -hmm. crotches. We're not trying to be shocking here. And that's what Joe Biden does. It's on camera, yes, it's on C-SPAN public footage. Joe Biden literally pinches girls nipples and grabs little babies in the crotch. What? He goes up to this little girl with her mom and and what do you call he like gives her a raspberry or what do you what do you even call that? It's not a raspberry. That's like a little nibble. You know what I'm saying? There he gives Thank you, by the way, to Stephanie, my lovely pregnant wife, who gave me that video yesterday. We appreciate you, Stephanie. We love you. Glad to have you. Whatever Camilla is like, this mama would be pushing him away. Yes, I would hope so. I would hope so. Speaking of that mama, Camelia Peterson joining us next. They're doing woke remakes of classic films. Wizard of Oz, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, that's a wrong song. Oh, yeah. All right, Camelia Peterson, when we get back on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. What is that? And then the woman decides to, what is it? Is she taking a video for, for evidence in a lawsuit? Okay, if you're, an, if you're an audio audience member today, I mean, we've got, you've seen the footage before, Joe Biden grabbing little girls' nipples and grabbing little bitches. I'm not trying to be shocking here. That's what Joe Biden does. It's on. <laughs> Joe Biden nipples on the baby. Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up America show. I'm Austin Peterson. Glad to have you here. Doing me a favor, click like and subscribe to the channel. We stream this show every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Rocking and rolling. Great way to start your day, as well as a cup of our delicious Founding Flavors coffee, which you can find at AP4LibertyShop.com. Mmm, tastes a lot better than babies. Somebody sent a box to the White House. Joining us live on the show this morning. Somebody knows a thing or two about babies. Camelia Peterson joining us live. Her baby just had a little birthday the other day. Happy birthday to <laughs> Ana Rosa. Good morning, Camelia. She did. Good morning. Wow. I don't think I would. Of course, you know, my firstborn was very much a like, don't touch me, don't look at me <laughs> child. <laughs> 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 like Joe Biden would have been in trouble if he had even gotten within like, you know, 12 inches of her because she would have been having <laughs> none of that. And I will tell you, that's one thing that really hasn't changed because you know what? She's going to be nice to you. She's going to be sweet and professional. She is not putting up with your nonsense. <laughs> She's not going to take any nibbles. She's not going to take any bites. She's Heck no. <laughs> Good to know. You raised her right, Camelia. That's right. Uh, yeah, obviously that's kind of weird. Did you see the clip that I was playing of Peter Ducey where he was asking Karine Jean-Pierre about everybody it thinks that Joe Biden is losing his mind, that he's like his marbles are like not rolling around upstairs? She really did just think she was being cute, right? I mean, like she thought she was going to just like let that slide in there and get away with it. Yeah, yeah good for like him for to... not letting that go. Yeah, and then she like tries to cut him off from asking the question. The obvious question is, who's my favorite president? What are you trying to say here? <laughs> right? It's like, look, look, lady, if you're going to start something, be prepared to finish it, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, the New Hampshire primary is happening today, and we all know it's a foregone conclusion of who's going to win here. But I mean, 
And I know that, you know, you've been suffering for, for a long time, not from COVID-19, but from an associated illness, Trump derangement syndrome. But I mean, are you kind of, you know, watching the president this morning, former president, Donald Trump, making jokes about how they need to cancel the election and then admitting it's a joke and talking about how people can't take a joke? You agreed with President Trump on that, that more people need to be able to take a joke? For sure. Here's the difference, though. Trump talking in that clip and and talking in that way is different than Trump for the last two years, honestly, at least. Because when he is on the defensive, he's really not funny. You know what I'm saying? It all became very, you know, like dated and about him. And I get that. I understand, you know, why he would be that way. But, uh, you know, that when it, everything is just negative all the time and personal and there's not a funny edge to it. And, you know, there's balance in everything. I think he takes the personal stuff a little too far, but I do appreciate the sense of humor. I just, I don't know, like this Trump is different than Trump even three months ago. So Trump is at his best when he's goofing around making jokes. For sure. You know, I do wish he had substance to go with the style because, you know, I, I have an appreciation for the style. But you know, when there's so, so when he says that he wants to ban central bank digital currencies, cur- courtesy of Vivek Ramaswamy, you're like, Oh, I wish he had substance. I know. Thank goodness. Well, I've always said this about Trump is that he may not have, he may be very shallow when it comes to philosophy and principle, but that is why it's so important to know who the people around him are for any any person that we elect. Like, I don't, you know, let me see who the people are that they surround themselves with. Who do they listen to? Who are their mentors? That's what I want to know because that's what is going to make the difference, you know, who are they going to call at two o'clock in the morning when something comes up? I want to know who those people are that are in their ears. And so I think that's what's so important with someone like Trump is it's important. And like why I'm happy to see that he's listening to Vivek Ramaswamy, because that was a huge mistake that he made uh, in his first term was that he you know, kept bringing people in who were not good for him or good for the country. Yeah, no, for sure. Judgment problem there. Yeah. You're right. His biggest Achilles heel has always been the people that he surrounded himself with. But if he were to choose a Vivek Ramaswamy for his VP, say it's a long shot, but it, it does happen. It, would that change your calculation? Would 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 that you know be the balm in Gilead? <laughs> it would be much more encouraging, and I would be more hopeful if I saw those were the people in his inner circle. And to be fair, we had Mike Pence in his inner circle for for whatever people thought about him. But there were a lot of people who really respected Mike Pence. And he was kind of the calm voice of reason. You know, he was he he balanced out Trump's bombastic personality. I don't you know, I didn't agree with Mike Pence on some policy issues for sure. But in the end, I don't know that Pence I don't know how much of an impact Pence made. So it just Trump is, if nothing else, unpredictable. (laughs) So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, I'm Austin Peterson. Click that like button, subscribe, because you know you love seeing Camelia Peterson, who's joining us live now, and she joins us every Tuesday and Thursday. And at 8 a.m. Central Time, Camelia gives us her words of wisdom. And for people who are wondering if that was Middle Earth behind her in her background today, no, it's the Legend of Zelda world. Come on, guys. Get with <laughs> the theme. There somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Camellia, It's a Wonderful Life. Great film. Definitely one of my favorite Christmas films. And Wizard of Oz, an absolute classic. But we're going to get some remakes, I hear. Can we just not 
with the remakes anymore. We've talked about this before. It really speaks to a lack of creativity and originality um, in Hollywood anymore. Because there's how much is there? There's very few, there are very few things that are new. And you could make the argument that there's nothing new under the sun, that people are always building on the theme of things that have come before. And that is true. But they're doing it so closely now that it's just a little too on the nose. And you don't really have to, you don't just build on the theme or the story of something. You just literally take the the storyline and the movie and just insert people of different, you know, ethnic backgrounds or uh, you know, whatever whatever qualifies as diverse anymore. Um, so yeah, this Wizard of Oz, where uh, it is where it oh, is gonna be gonna take place in an apartment complex what called the bottoms and that's where the new dorothy will live i thought they already did this like haven't you ever seen the musical the wiz come on ease on oh what really are you serious you haven't seen the wiz i'm surprised at you i know you're not into pop culture and stuff but i mean the wiz it's a musical you you know i don't think i have with michael jackson as the scarecrow and no, I haven't. Don't you carry nothing <laughs> that might drag you down. Come on, ease on down, ease on down the road. Yeah, they already did the diversity version of The Wizard of Oz. I don't know why they feel like they need to do another one. What What about It's a Wonderful Life? What's the plan with that one? Well, you know, he didn't, basically, they're going to take the, the same plot, the same story, and just put somebody in there. He wants to, this producer wants to uh, it to be per- Jimmy Stewart's character wants them to be portrayed by an actor who has black or brown skin. I'm not sure what qualifies as that anymore because we recently heard people saying that they were being persecuted for being brown, but I really thought that they were white. So, I mean, <laughs> like, I you know what does that mean anymore? So, again, it's just that lack of originality and you just you just take somebody because you think that that you know black people need to have this story and to be able to own that story originally i guess and and tell it from that perspective so you know this this guy this barris he did um he's done some other things but one of the movies that he made i guess i didn't even know that this was a thing and i guess it came out this last year was he did a remake of white men can't jump and, and the remake it, is white man can jump this time. <laughs> right, <I don't> know. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I went and looked to see, you know, apparently it wasn't really well received. I think Rotten Tomatoes, it had like 26%, you know, yeah, like four and a half out of 10. And I think that, you know, a cr- critic with Roger Ebert came out and he called it as unimaginative as it is corny, as dull as it is cheap and as unfulfilling as any cash grab for a well-known property could be. And I thought that really sums it up. It's, all of these things are just a, an attempt at a cash grab for things that we have been beaten to death already and that we're already familiar with. What's funny, too, is that this, uh, you know, on a kind of semi-serious note on this, is that we do see videos sometimes where you, there was this one, it was a couple of years ago, where students were at a college and they were told they needed to leave this room because this is a place for minorities only. It's like a minority space and like their white presence was not welcome. And they were like, they were talking about like culture and they're like, white people don't have culture. White people don't have culture. But it's like this, these are examples. It's a wonderful life. Wizard of Oz. I mean, these are examples of white culture and that's why they feel the need to all over it. Isn't it? Yeah. Is it? Well, we are just, you know, 
We just can't help, I guess, but go from one extreme to the other. And so now we are going to just um, celebrate, celebrate, you know, reverse racism. It's not reverse racism. It's just racism. Yeah. Do you agree with me, Camelia, that diversity is just code for anti-white? I mean, essentially, yes. In the context of today's culture, that's what it's come to mean. I don't think anybody could deny that. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm Austin, I'm Austin Peterson, not related to my guest, Camelia Peterson, is joining us live. Like and subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us five days a week. Trying to remember We'd somebody be- literally in real life just the other day asked me if we were cousins or related or something. <laughs> all the time. Happens all the time. The only thing more common, the only thing more common than that is people misspelling my last name. You are an S-O-N and I am an S-E-N. Javier Malay said specifically that we as libertarians should engage in the culture wars. Do you agree with him? I do agree because I think that we, I guess where I quibble sometimes um, with the American approach to it is how we do it. But I do agree that we need to, because we've seen the effects of that in companies reversing course on the DIE um, issues on, you know, the the ESG. And, and even, you know, we're seeing um, some progress in this push to, you know, trans all the kids. So I, I think that, you know, and, and like we saw with the Bud Light moment, like that is, that's going to be a historical uh, phrase that we will say probably for a very long time. Are you going to have your Bud Light moment? That's a big deal, right? So that shows what a big impact that made. And that, you know, when people are outraged enough by company, you know, corporations who, you know, are not marketing to their customer, that's how the free market works. That's capitalism. And so I think that that's, we are seeing that the part that I think happens a lot of times on the right in this culture war that I don't like is the tendency to go too far for when you're, you're talking about, you know, banning books with, you know, CRT critical race theory, but then you you go so far as to start, you know, taking out books that are just fine, really, and they have a lot of historical value, but because you you expand this definition and you're so hyper-vigilant about everything that you're all of a sudden removing books from schools that, you know, should should stay there and in the name of taking CRT out of schools, which is why I think banning things, you know, when you talked to Vinny about that earlier, that's that's the downside. That's the risk with banning things you know, without a, a clear line as far as what is appropriate for children. So the tendency to go too far and then that actually gives the left ammunition to say, look at you guys, you are racist. You are all of these things that we've been accusing you of. Do you agree with Vinny Club that it's appropriate for the Missouri legislature to impose mandatory restrictions on websites that offer adult content? I was fascinated by the way that you brought that up. I was I was curious how you even knew about that because I just saw that bill pop up here just a few days ago, and it was because I was looking, you know, at at something from the specific legislator who who filed it. I knew that, Camille. Is the same reason every time you send me a meme or a reel, I've probably already seen it. Already seen it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. uh, Unfortunately, I'm a nerd and I live perpetually online. Right. (laughs) But it's like it, the, it. I, you know, I think Vinny is right that we <laughs> we have to be careful about banning things. And I think that that question, though, about how we regulate what children see online is difficult for a lot of people because 
that's the line, right? The line is protecting children. And so when it comes to the internet, that gets a lot trickier because then the question is like, you want to protect children. And if parents aren't going to do that, like that, that is kind of part of the role of government that if parents are not going to protect the life and health of children, then somebody needs to step in and do that. So what do you do when it comes to the internet? Because the problem with the internet is that the only way to, to mandate those, those age limits is to then give up that child's personal information for somebody else to store. And then eventually we all know what happens. It leaks eventually. People have access to it. And so it is that I think gets into uh, murky water for a lot of people and they don't really know what the best thing to do. And ultimately, you know, when it comes, you have to weigh the trade-offs, right? And I think it's much riskier that we give that much, we turn over that information about our children um, to a third party. And like, it's bad enough that we give it to the government, but to turn it over to third parties, I think is even riskier. And so the onus is on the parents. We have to be a whole lot more vigilant and a whole lot more responsible with knowing, you know, what our kids are into. Like and it's not some, easy. Yeah. I, I like what somebody said the other day that I think it was some moms for Liberty group that was talking about like the material that they find appropriate in schools. Why is it that schools will implement filters on content that comes from the internet, but they allow that same content if it's in a periodical that's placed in the library? Do you think that there's a substantive difference there, or do you think they're just being hypocrites? No, but I think there is this kind of this idea in our minds still that, you know, reading is good, all things books is good, right? So we have this uh, this idea that books are good and like the internet is bad. So I just think it's that mindset that we haven't, you know, broken out of yet. I don't know what it takes to do that. I think because I think because on the internet you could definitely make the argument that it's all of the bad things are much more easily accessible on the internet. And that for sure is true. You don't have to get up and go somewhere and get a book off of a shelf in a store or a library or whatnot. Mm, yeah, no, it's true. And I'll tell you this, I remember being a little kid and before the internet was invented and everywhere, when you, I, I remember going to libraries that didn't even have a computer in them. And, yeah. and I, I would get books that were in the much more mature section of the school and read them. And then I would also get access to books. I really loved Stephen King as a kid. And a lot of that stuff was very graphic, but that actually kind of spur helped to spur my love for reading. I, I mean, I wonder, I'm, I, I'm not advocating for these things to be available to kids in certain ways, but like Lady Chatterley's lover, right? Does this need to be, you know, available to kids in elementary school? Probably not. But right. I will say that I do think there is something different about reading versus the internet, actually getting a physical book in your hand. Like if a kid wants to read Stephen King's It, there are some graphic sex scenes in there. But if a 14-year-old kid wants to read a thousand-page book, I mean, he's probably not just reading it just for that scene where the kids are all like messing around with each other. There, He's probably reading it because he's fascinated with reading. I mean, like, I, I'm, it, it, there's kind of like, there is a gray area here. Wouldn't you agree? It, well, and there's the visual aspect. You know, if it's on the internet, you know, everything is illustrated. It's video. It's, it's that visual content. Whereas with a book, you have to use your imagination. 
And I was the same way. I would come home from the library with piles of books. Although I will say one thing that was different for me and for those <laughs> for those who think that books have been good and that all old books are good, so to speak, uh, this is not the truth. You know, there has been there has been risque content in books for hundreds of years. <laughs> so, but you know, most of my uh, what probably would have con- been considered inappropriate content in reading really came from old books because we constantly had, I don't know where we got them all, whether it was probably from auctions or something, you know, but we always had a lot of really old books around. And there were some of them that were, you know, not necessarily for children. And I was reading them anyway. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Camelia Peterson joining us live right now. Click like and subscribe to the channel. She joins us every Tuesday and Thursday here at 8 a.m. Central Time. Be glad to have you come back and join us on the regs. Camelia, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today? Uh, well, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is as we we are dealing with a lot of Missouri right now, but we also see it nationally. And you saw it with the the DeSantis campaign and the Trump campaign as far as their supporters. Is this that uh, the infighting that we've been seeing? And like for Missouri, you know, we have supermajority Republican legislature. And when you have that, the tribalism turns inward. And there was a gubernatorial candidate the other day. I was at one of their events and he said something that uh, like really rings true and I think holds true, you know, for the right for the Republican Party as well right now. And he said that, you know, the party that is out of power wants power. The party that is in power wants purity. And I think I mentioned this the other day, you know, the Republicans are not the party in power right now, but we're still behaving like we are in that we're still purity testing and we're not coming together on common ground. So I think that is that is something that we are going to have to deal with. And this is what you've been talking about, too, right? Everybody coming together to focus on, you know, what the other side that needs to be, you know, defeated. <laughs> like, just like, look at that smug smile on your face right now. <laughs> I'm, letting, I'm letting you finish. Okay. Anyway, but no, so that's, I, I, that's something that's kind of been at the top of my mind a lot. I do think that we need to consider that, but you know, we, we are white pilled here. Right. But also nuance is not dead here. So just w- with everything, I know people in the chat are all like, you know, and people have been telling me in real life to oh, Austin's gone Trumpy, you know, and oh, like Trump this Trump that, you know, whatever. And I'm like, you know, people just hang around for 30 more minutes and you're going to be let down because if you think he's in, you know, Trump's back pocket and he's all of a sudden a Trumper now, like get ready to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is they, that they don't understand is like, change your tactics, keep your principles. The problem, you know, the problem is not me. The problem is them. The problem is that they're addicted to losing. They continue to do the same thing all the time, which is, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I'm changing my tactics. I'm growing. I'm evolving. I'm learning. I still believe in free trade. I still believe in limited government. I still believe in in protecting the Second Amendment, I still believe in all the same things that I did when I ran for president of the United States, you know, 150 years ago. And and I haven't changed at all. But because I've changed my tactics, they're triggered. But you speak what you believe in hard words today, <laughs> right. said thus, thus saith the Lord Ralph Waldo Emerson. Camelia, thank you. We do not yeah. want foolish consistency, right? Oh, hey, we one more not. thing real quick. Oh, yeah. I love Vinny Club, by the way, just in transparency. You know, I know Penny, Vinny personally, and I'm so happy. I was so thrilled that he's running for office down there. 
So we need people like him. And I could tell you why. But one thing I do want to know for people who are in Missouri, especially down in the southeast portion listening that he didn't mention when he was on the air is that he has his campaign kickoff coming up on um, Saturday afternoon on February 10th. And so, um, you know, like if you're in Missouri, like get a hold of me if you're interested in coming out, because I would love for that to to have a good showing for that. And I will be there. There you go. Uh, Camille Peterson, keep an eye on her. She comes on every Tuesday and Thursday. We will see you next Tuesday, not this Thursday, because I'm okay. in San Francisco. All right, Camelia? Sounds good. Have a great yes. day, everyone. Thank you very much. Have a great day, Camelia Peterson. Give her a round of applause. What do you say? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Actually, that song is not about a, a woman that he loves. It's about a baby, his daughter that he loves. Isn't she precious? Less than a minute old. You know what I'm saying, right? I never thought true love could be something, something to me. Isn't she lovely? Something, something. All right, Gabriella Clark. She had a daughter that was going down the gender transition way until she came up with a new program that she's sharing with other parents to help prevent that gender indoctrination from happening to your child, not my child. We're looking at homeschooling. We'll be right back with Gabriella Clark on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, everyone. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad to have you here. Hope everybody's feeling good. Don't forget, no show tomorrow through Monday. Yeah, I know. Don't be disappointed. But every once in a while, I get to take a little vacation, right? So if you like and subscribe to the channel, you will get an alert the next time we go live, which will be next Tuesday. I'm taking the wifey to go see the family out there in California. Should have a good time. The California, they're saying over on the chat. Yes, California. Hey, if the in-laws invite you, then you go. Uh, we'd be glad to have your opinion on the show as well. Make your voice heard. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Uh, All right. Well, speaking of commies in California, they're trying to trans the kids. Well, one parent is speaking out, and she's created a program to help from the gender indoctrinators beat them back. Joining us now, Gabrielle Clark, joining us live on the show for her very first time. Good morning, Gabrielle. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. You can call me Gab. All right, Gabs. Glad to have you here. You shared your personal story on Twitter, which is why I feel comfortable asking it in the public about your situation dealing with gender indoctrination, how it impacted your family. Would you mind sharing that with our audience now? Um, yes. Thank you for having me. My daughter, my daughter was being socially transitioned to believing she was a boy. I was, I was so shocked about that. And so, and did, you know, I didn't know what to do. Luckily, at the time, I was fighting indoctrination already. I filed the first federal lawsuit against woke indoctrination in the K-12 education on behalf of my son. He was being discriminated against at his school based on CRT. And, and I was in that fight. And luckily for me, I knew what the indoctrination was doing in schools. So when it was started happening to my daughter, I, I wasn't completely out of the loop like a lot of parents. And I was able to pay close attention to what was what was happening, what was going on with her. And I was able to pull her out. I created a program to help her successfully desist. 
So that must have been a challenge. I mean, what when you first started dealing with this, when this when you were approached, <laughs> I'm sure that you were shocked, but you want to be empathetic with your child. I mean, what was your first reaction like? And 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 how did you, you know, what did you do when you first heard what was going on? When I first heard what was going on, I just thought, you know, like every other parent, you just say, kid, right? <laughs> and you just, I mean, she's she's the youngest of five. So I just thought, oh gosh, this is a whole new brand of teenage nonsense, right? Because, you know, the 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 children were coming out of the pandemic. The children were coming out of being isolated for so long. And so I really just thought this was the way that kids were going to be now because because they were all they were all so discombobulated from the isolation. And I tried very hard to be understanding. But, you know, my instincts, my natural instincts as a mother kept saying, there's something not right about this. There's something wrong here. So you probably started doing your homework like a lot of people did. Where did you go to research and what did you learn? What were your sources and what did you find out? Well, I started, we were living in Las Vegas at the time and it was, a lot of it was very similar to something I had seen before in addiction, poker player addiction, you know, gambler's addiction. So I, I started to realize that there was an addiction element to this, to this ideology, right? And that came in the form of, uh, you know, addiction to devices and social media. And, and I recognized that because it was very similar to gambler's addiction. And I started, you know, paying close attention to that and doing a lot more research on that. And, and there was also the cult element of all of this. And I started, I started looking into, you know, like I said, we were living in Las Vegas. So in Las Vegas, we get a lot of people from the, you know, people from the Mormon community who are leaving the polygamy lifestyle. And I started paying close attention to what it is they were doing and how they were able to pull people out of that. And I also, I also remembered about what happened with Megan Phelps Roper with the Woodsboro Baptist Church. So I just, when I started looking into all of those different resources, I was able to create my own program for my daughter. So give us a brief overview of what this program is like. How did you come up with it on the first side of things? And what does it include? Well, there was a lot of trial and error. I made a lot of mistakes. You know, a lot of people think all you have to do is just tell them that they're not trans, right? <laughs> and that would seem like logic reasoning, right? But that's that doesn't, that's not how it works. The program, what it does is help them become fully embodied and fully comfortable in their natal sex, and then the rest of it just falls away and dispel whatever myth or, or, or really the, the mimicry that, they're, that these children are engaging in in order to try to pretend to be something other than their natal sex. Because a lot of this is just performative. And once you get past those things, then you can talk about the real issues that, uh, you know, that a child might be having that led them into this 
into this ideology. It, it, it's a it's it's a fairly simple, fairly simple breakdown. But when you get into the minutia of the details, that that sometimes can be kind of complicated. For sure. And I can imagine there's going to be a lot of parents who are going to be interested in learning more about this program and taking part because this social contagion has swept the country and it's very dangerous. For those who are just tuning into the Wake Up America show live right now, I'm speaking to Gabriel Clark. We call her Gabs. She's joining us live right now to talk about her new program that she came up with to fight gender ideology and the contagion of transgender ideology, the social contagion that is sweeping our country right now. You talked a little bit about pitfalls, things to look out for, mistakes that you made, Gabs. Could you share maybe one or one or two of those things with us? Well, a lot of parents try to try to gently, gently go along to get along kind of thing. And that is very dangerous. Watchful waiting is, I think, the reason why it has gotten to the place that it has gotten to. Because watchful waiting used that was that used that was the recommendation before, but you have to create you have to create opportunities to help your child desist. And watchful waiting can't be observed anymore because the surround the surroundings that your children are in make it impossible for them to desist naturally because of how much influence is involved. So that would be that I would say that one of the biggest pitfalls. You have to create create situations and create scenarios so that you can dis- demonstrate life lessons. Does that make sense? Makes sense. So a lot of parents out there who are going through what you went through, they probably are oscillating between personalities themselves of trying to figure out how to respond to it. Is the program that you've come up with, is it, is it very forceful? Is it very severe? Is it very dramatic? Is it like more gentle? Can you give us an idea of, of how this program operates? It really does depend on the severity of the situation. I mean, obviously, you know, I do have to, I do have to be careful about the clients that I take on. If there, if there are children involved that have, you know, serious co- comorbidities, then that that is something that I have, you know, I'm not qualified to to handle those situations and they have to go to a licensed professional, you know, in the in the medical field. So that is one thing. But the well, <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty much the, the long and short of it. Other than that, other than that, most parents are able to handle the situation themselves because a lot of a lot of therapists try to pathologize normal childhood behavior and all they really all they really needed was a better a better form of parenting our parenting styles have not evolved with the technological age and so i give i give parents the resources and the tools necessary to teach them how to parent in this age did you receive any pushback from anyone in your community when you started to try and implement these ideas? Well, you know, I'm a pretty aggressive person, so <laughs> the pushback is always going to be there. But, you know, I, I don't really care. I, you know, a, my daughter was going to, you know, cut her boobs off. I don't I don't care what 
the, I don't care what anybody has to say about my method. You know, my child isn't mutilated and she's still alive and she's happier than she's ever been. So, you know, the goal is to keep your child on the trajectory that they're, that they want to be on in order to be successful in life. You know, and that doesn't always mean do the nice, kind, sweet thing. Sometimes that means you have to get tough. Sometimes that means you have to set boundaries. And that's what I did. Gabs, um, one, and one I our, encourage other parents to as well. Gabs, one of our commenters goes by the name of Mighty Megatron, says too many doctors are all in on transitioning because it's big money. There is a lot of money in these surgeries and these these transitions, isn't there? Indeed. You know, but I'm going to ruin the gender industry in America. Believe it. I find lawyers for detransitioners. I find lawyers for, and I even tell parents to say, if your child has started taking puberty blockers or hormones or any of that stuff, you know, here's this lawyer's number. There could be a lot of money in it for you. And that alone makes them want to do it. And I don't even care. I, you know what? At this point, I don't even care. There are there are insurance companies who are already starting to deny coverage to some of these doctors who are performing gender affirming care. So I'm I'm gonna ruin the gender industry in America. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. Give it up for Gabs Clark. She's joining us live right now. We so give us the skinny. We're getting down to the end. I'd love to hear where people can find out more information about your program. Maybe support what it is that you're doing. So if you could just give us a brief overview of what people can do right now to help you advance this program, these consulting services that you're offering? Yes. If you need my help, if you're, if you know somebody who is identifying as something other than their natal sex, you can reach out to me at affirmingreality.com. You can make an appointment or you can send me an email. You can find me right there. You can also see me on Twitter at Gabs Clark 5. My DMs are always open if you need a lawyer. And, you know, we're trying to open it, open up affirming reality to broaden the scope for all of the all of the problems that have stemmed from this divorces and and the breakdown of, of other other areas in our society. And we're we're we've launched that program. It'll be affirming reality connected. So we're raising money for that as well. And you can go to the Give, Send, Go. I think it's at Affirming Reality. I think it's Affirming Reality on Give, Send, Go. But yes, we could use all the help, all the help in the world. It's a very big fight and there's a lot of money on the other side of this. Absolutely. Gabs, is there anything else at all that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? I would say, don't wait. Don't wait. You can't, you cannot give this ideology any oxygen. So if you need my help, please reach out at affirmingreality.com. There we go, affirmingreality.com. Gabs, it was such a pleasure to meet you today. Thank you for being so generous with your time. And thank you so much for paving the way for more parents who are going to want to follow in your footsteps. I know they will. We appreciate you very much for supporting liberty in this country, and we hope to hear from you again very soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That Gabrielle Clark. We call her Gabs now. <laughs> Send us a text. What do you think? At 573-319-1586. Again, 573-319-1586 is the text line. We'd love to hear from you anytime, night or day. Andy Opperman sent in. Said, Thank you for that segment. You're very welcome. I'd love to hear from you today. What did you think of Gabs Clark? 
at affirmingreality.com. Probably really helpful, those kinds of services for a lot of parents out there who might be struggling with something like this. We've got a lot more show to go. That's right, 10 more minutes, which is a lot for me, which means that if Austin didn't grab more stories to have us back up, then he would be in big trouble. But guess what? He does. I like this article. It made me stop to think. I don't know how much you can trust some of these polls these days, but what are your thoughts on this? This is a story I'm reading from Mediaite.com. This is kind of the cable news insider uh, website. I was introduced to this back when I was working at the Fox Business Network, and it does lean left of center like most online periodicals. But I thought this poll was fascinating. The If you could, if you could uh, send in your thoughts on the Rumble chat and answer this like the best you can, or maybe just say it out loud wherever you are, who do you think would be is the most trusted newscaster or political news personality out of out of everybody? If you could if you could guess, right? So throw some names out there from people that you might know that work in the news. Like remember it used to be Walter Cronkite, the most trusted man in journalism, et cetera, et cetera. Who would you say right now that if Americans were polled would respond is their most trusted person? who works in news. It doesn't have to be all just just cable news. It could be news podcasters. It could be, you know, talk show hosts. It could be like me, right? Somebody who runs a podcast of a sizable audience. It's not me. I was my name wasn't on the list of the people that they that were polled. But I thought this was fascinating. So let's throw some names out there like Tucker Carlson, for example, Joe Rogan, or Jake Tapper, for example. Would you say would you say Joe Rogan is the most trusted person who works in you know, you could say, in a sense, the news industry is still like satire, political comedy, but he brings on a lot of political people on his show. Is Joe Rogan the most trusted, right? Or Jake Tapper, right? The name that they actually chose, that people chose as the person who is the most trusted in political talk news, and I know you're going to be like, all right, you're going to just, you know, vocal fry, vocal fry. It's actually Bill Maher. Yeah, Bill Maher, the political satire, satire comedian, right? He's actually trusted more by the American public than several other high-profile names, according to this survey, which has a margin of error of about 3%, which is pretty high. Maher is trusted by a larger proportion of the country than former Fox News personality Tucker Carlson, podcaster Joe Rogan, and even CNN anchor Jake Tapper, which makes sense. Bill Maher has got about 77% name recognition. He's trusted by 40% of all respondents, and 52% of those said they were familiar with him. A lot of Bill Maher's work these days has been really good, and he has been kind of getting red-pilled, if you hadn't noticed. But does that surprise you to hear Bill Maher? I mean, a lot of people would have thought, oh, it would have been Tucker Carlson or Joe Rogan, but it wasn't, actually. Both Rogan and Carlson had slightly higher name IDs at 80% and 81%, but they had gained the trust of a smaller portion of both of their audiences in the country more generally. Rogan was trusted by 36% of respondents and 45% of those familiar with him, while Carson is Carlson, Tucker Carlson is trusted by 35% of respondents and 43% of those who know him well. Yes. Tapper, Jake Tapper, he's the like the least known of the bunch. Isn't it amazing how cable news it's not the mainstream media anymore. It's really not. We have moved on from that. But I was talking to, I think, Camelia the other day. We were, yeah, we had a little gathering at our house. And I was talking to somebody about mainstream culture. We used to all go see the same movies. We used to all watch the same television shows. 
We used to listen to the same radio broadcasts. But because of all the proliferation of the alternative media, or we call them now the mainstream media, I like to say as they are, we all have different cultures, right? We all are, nobody's watching the same movies. Hey, did you see this movie? It was on Netflix. I don't have Netflix, right? Did you see this movie? I was on Amazon Prime or something. I didn't see it, right? Because we all, all we can all choose which, which news agencies we listen to. You listen to the Wake Up America show, yes. Did you see Austin Peterson's latest Wake Up America show? Who the hell is Austin Peterson? <laughs> Trying to get my name idea up there, guys. But Tapper, Jake Tapper, who's on CNN, is the least well-known of all these people. So the guy on mainstream media, right? Just 53% of the public said they knew who he was. His trust rating was the lowest at 23%. But for, his, for people who were familiar with him, he was kind of sandwiched between Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson. But now this one was really fascinating. And I know you guys are going to know who this is. The poll shows shows another is is similar to another one that they ran that suggested that Trump guys like Tim Pool and Jack Posobiec are not nearly as influential as their large social media following might suggest. According to that survey, just three percent of Republicans trust Posobiec and only one percent trust Tim Pool. I'd be curious. What are you? What about you guys? How do you feel about Jack Posobiec and Tim Pool? Do you guys trust them? Not trust them? I would be curious to hear your thoughts. Drop them in the comments below. So according to the survey, just 3% of Republicans trust Posobiec and only 1% trust Pool. That's Republicans. Even among the demographic that would be most intuitively sympathetic to the pair, Trump voters who get most of their news online, their trust ratings stand at just 6% and 3%. Mm, that's interesting. So what do you guys, what do you guys think about me? Where do you stand on AP for Liberty? How much do you trust what I have to say? Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know, guys. What do you think? See, uh, Blue Trike. He thinks Tim Pool is pretty solid there. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, AP for Liberty? You probably trust uh, my wife Stephanie Peterson a little bit more. I'm pretty sure that like, people trust pregnant women a lot, right? A pregnant woman would never lie. Can't wait to be a dad. I can't stop talking about it. I'm taking my pregnant wife to California. So we're gone tomorrow. So I need you to do me a favor. Go back and watch all the episodes of the Wake Up America show that you haven't seen yet. Because I will not be able to work uh, full time, I'll be uh, taking a few days off. Will you do me a favor and buy some merchandise, please, at the AP for Liberty shop? Or drop a rumble rant right now. Help support the show while we're in uh, transition. It's going to be a really challenging year here for us as we try and pay our $2,000 a month health insurance bill. When we tried to get health insurance, no underwriters would cover us for any like reasonable price because they're like pregnant, pre-existing condition, you know. So help to support the Wake Up America show by either becoming a monthly subscriber at wakeupamericashow.com slash support, becoming a monthly coffee club purchaser. You guys love Founding Flavors Coffee, don't you? So go to ap4libertyshop.com and get on that monthly coffee club. I see you guys talking about how delicious the coffee is. So get yourself a box, just one simple single box of coffee delivered monthly to your house. Jeffersonian Java. Today I'm drinking Benjamin Franklin's electric elixir. It's so delicious. Don't you want some? Sign up for that monthly coffee club at AP, the number four, AP4LibertyShop.com. Help support me and my wifey as we spread the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. We'll see you guys next Tuesday on the Wake Up America Show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com. Bye, guys.